You are listening to the Grace Covenant Church Audio Podcast. But this morning, as you have your Bibles there, Ephesians chapter 2, we want to continue this series. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about coming alive in Jesus and living out the fullness of all that God's created us for. As I've said throughout the series, God did not create us and place us on this earth like just to survive. Matter of fact, if you are a Christ follower and you're living in survival mode, I would tell you that's not God's plan for your life. He didn't create you just to survive, like just to make it through another day. No, God created you to thrive. He created you for greatness, and He's placed greatness within you. It's the uniqueness of the way that God's crafted you. And that's why we've titled this series The Waking Dead, because we are those who were dead spiritually speaking, but we've been made alive through Jesus Christ. And we've been made alive, again, not just so we could, like, uh, get to heaven. Now, how many of you know heaven's part of the plan? That's good news, right? Heaven's part of the plan. But God didn't save you just to get you to heaven. He saved you that you might be a part of His work in this world. That you might live your life fully alive. And so as we wrap this series up this morning, we want to talk about coming alive to your calling. See, to live your life fully alive in Jesus, it's really important that you know why you're here on this earth. And God created you for more than just filling time and space and consuming resources. If that's what you've been doing, filling time, space, and consuming resources and nothing else, then you're missing God's plan. Because, again, He created you for more. And living out, discovering your life calling and living that out is key to you living your life fulfilled. You know, a number of years ago, and this dates me a bit, but a number of years ago there was a popular movie called the blues brothers how many of you remember that movie the blues brothers um in that movie there's two men who starred in the movie john belushi and and uh, dan Aykroyd. but in the movie they played those two gentlemen played the role of a couple ex-convict wannabe musicians who were trying to raise money for an orphanage and and anytime they they were asked about their work they had this standard response do you remember the standard response We are on a mission for God, right? And they always said it like they really believed it. And the very idea that two inept, unlikely human beings could be on a mission for God was, of course, the the central joke of the whole story. But here's the real story this morning. You are on a mission from God. Maybe turn to your neighbor, tell them, look them square in the eye and say, hey, you're on a mission from God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are, you're on a mission. You're on a mission for God. Matter of fact, Jesus said it like this. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Others have come before you. Others will come after you. But this is your day. This is your life. And if God's kingdom is going to manifest it now in our world, in our community, in your world, then it's going to happen through you. Listen, God's not going to like come down and, and do it. No, God has chosen to do it through us. And he gives us what? Life callings, life missions, so that we can be a part of his work in our world. In Ephesians 5, 17, the scripture directs us with these words, don't act thoughtlessly. Don't act carelessly. It goes on to say, but try to find out and do whatever the Lord wants you to do. In other words, make the discovery. What is it the Lord wants you to do? What is it that He's uniquely created you to do? 
What assignment in life do you have? You know, there's two questions I believe that every Christ follower should, should wrestle with until they get clarity. Here's the two questions. The first is this. What on earth are you here for? Again, you're not an accident. So why are you here in this time? Imagine, out of all of the times that God could have placed you here, He chose this time. Of all the places He could have placed you in the world, He's placed you here in the Lake Norman community. So the first question that you need to get clarity to is, what, what on earth are you here for? Here's the second question. What does God want to do through your life? So God wants to work through your life. So what is it? What might it be? These two questions can be difficult to get answers to, and the answer is probably not a, a single assignment. But God has a mission, a life mission for each of us. And coming fully alive in Jesus, um, discovering the life mission is critical to that. And the challenge of many Christ followers today is that they're confident of their salvation, but they're not confident of their purpose. They're confident of who they are in Christ, confident and secure in their salvation, but they're not confident in who God created them. They're not confident. Maybe they're not discovered. What are the abilities? What are the talents? What are the gifts? What are the desires that God's placed in me? They're not confidently acting on those. They're not, they're not confidently living those out. But as Christ follows, we are on a mission from God. But our expressions of that mission are different. In other words, we're all unique in how we're made. And so God works through each of us in different ways, in different places, with different assignments, as we're a, a part of His mission. So we're all on a mission from God, but our expressions are different. Maybe for one, it's, it's positively impacting the educational system. That's, that's your life mission. Or maybe for someone else, it's providing clean water for third world countries. That's your life mission. Or, or maybe for another, it's addressing the issue of human trafficking. Or for another, it might be bringing help and hope for children in foster care. For another, it might be homeschooling your children. That's your mission. For another, it, it, it might be uh, ministering to the incarcerated. For another, it might be uh, ministering to the homeless. So we all have different callings, but we're all a part of this greater mission of God. So what is your life calling? What is it that God's uniquely crafted you, designed you to do? Now, as we think of this word calling, it's, it's a word that's quite vague. Actually, if you grew up in church as I did, you were probably taught only missionaries and pastors are called. The rest of you are out of luck. Right? It's only, I mean, it's the, that's, what I, that's what I thought growing up. It's missionaries and pastors that are called. And what I come to discover is that my theology was wrong. And it's not just missionaries and pastors that are called. We're all called. The moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that moment of your salvation experience was also your time and place of calling. When you were saved, you were called. You were called to be a part of the mission. So we're, we're all called. Let me see if I can give you a couple definitions of, of calling to help us better understand. Arthur Miller defined calling as using one's endowed giftedness to serve the world with excellence and through that service to love and honor God. Frederick Buechner, who's one of my favorite authors, defines calling as, as this. He says, calling is the place where your deep gladness meets the world's great need. I really like that. Your, your deep gladness 
connects with the world's great need. That place of your calling. Let me see if I can bring this down to where we live with a personal illustration of one of my own life callings. Now, 12 years ago, I was coming back from Los Angeles. I'd been out in some meetings. I was flying back. And I ended up on the very back of the plane. Now, I, I, I don't like flying. And I absolutely don't like to be in the very back of a plane. I've made it very clear to my assistants down through the years where I want to be seated on the plane. And the very back by the bathrooms is not where I want to be. <laughs> but on this day, this is somehow that's where I ended up. And it was it was good the way the whole story played out. And I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. I had a little book that I was going to read on a flight back. It was called Little Town Big Miracle. Little Town Big Miracle. It was authored by a pastor, Bishop Martin. And, and the summary of the book is basically this. Uh, a little town in Possum Trot, Texas, way out in the middle of nowhere, a little, uh, excuse me, a little church in a town called Possum Trot, Texas, made this huge difference impacting children. Matter of fact, a church that has less than 100 people in attendance who a process of years had impacted 80 different children through the foster care adoption process. And as I read that book, it was actually the book the, the Holy Spirit used to wreck me. And it was good that I was on the back of the plane because here I am, a grown man, and I was crying like a baby, and I couldn't stop crying. I was emotionally wrecked as I read this book. And because grown men are not supposed to cry, I was glad I was in the back row in the corner of the plane. But as I returned from that trip back to Grace Covenant, I knew I'd discovered one of my life callings. I knew it, it, it became so clear for me at that moment that I would give time, energy, and resources from my life for the rest of my life to make a difference in the foster care adoption process. We launched a ministry called The Father's Heart. Out of that ministry, we, we bring awareness of the need in our community uh, we come alongside individuals who are fostering and adopting, um, encouraging, resourcing them. We've partnered in numerous county initiatives, um, again, bringing awareness. Um, why? Because I discovered one of my life calls. As a result of that, we have impacted hundreds of children, not just me. It wasn't me. It's a lot of folks making it happen. But it really came about because I discovered one of my life callings. I discovered an area that God wanted, to, wanted me to take what He had placed in me and make a difference with it in the world. I was wrecked by Anytime I, I hear of children being abused or children not being nurtured and cared for, it, like, it, it, um, it stirs me deeply. I get, I get angry. I have a, a holy, righteous anger that happens inside of me. When I, when I begin to hear that, it motivates. It moves me. But it's, 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 a part of my, it's a part of my life calling. And I say, I believe that we all have life calling. I believe that God's uniquely wired you to be a part of making a difference in the world. The question is where? And the question is how? You know, oftentimes I think we confuse calling and career. And there's nothing wrong with having a career. There's nothing wrong with having a career path. Matter of fact, if you're on a career path, I applaud you for that. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to confuse calling and career because they're not the same. 
Now, I believe you can discover your calling in the midst of your career, and I believe that dynamic ministry happens in and through the marketplace, that your work can be worship. I, I believe all of that. But there is a difference between career and calling. Let me just quickly see if I can help you understand the difference. A career is something I choose for myself. A calling is something I receive. A, a career is, is something I do for myself. A calling is something I do for God and others. A career promises money or status. A calling gen generally promises difficulty and some suffering. A career may end with retirement. A calling isn't over until the day you die. The rewards of a career may be quite visible, but they're temporary. The significance of a calling lasts for eternity. So it's great to have a career. But in the midst of your career, you must define your calling. You must define how has God wired me and where does He want me to make a difference with my life. I believe the Apostle Paul helps us in Ephesians chapter 2 to give us some insight about this issue of calling. So Ephesians chapter 2 beginning with verse 8. I believe we have the scripture on the screen this morning so we can read it together. Would you read, with, read this with me? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So Paul here directs us basically to live called. In this passage of Scripture, he clearly defines the how and the why of salvation. The how and the why. First of all, he speaks of the how. We are saved by grace and grace alone. You cannot be good enough. You cannot work hard enough to earn your salvation. You were saved the same way I was saved, by grace and grace alone. Faith and that of the provision and grace, what it's God's gift to us. That's, that's the how we were saved. And then he talks about the why. See, the salvation to us must change who we are and how we live. Again, we're saved by grace and grace alone. It's not by works. But God's salvation to you must change who you are and how you live. For it to be authentic. For it to be real. It results in a, in a changed life. So let's, look, let's talk about this living call. Three things we find here in Ephesians chapter 2. The first thing Paul tells us is that we're, we're not saved by works, but we're saved to do good works. Saved to do good works. Again, no amount of good works can save you, but God's salvation to us must change who we are and how we live, and then it brings about good works from our lives. 2 Timothy 1.9 states, It's He who saved us and chose us for His holy work. So God saved you and chose you that you might be about His work in, in, in the world. See, God redeemed you so that you could be about His service. I mean, it's really that simple. So as we think of it like this, as we have been healed, we should be a help for others. As we have been saved, we should serve others. As we have been blessed, we should be a blessing to others. So Paul says first that we're saved. We're not saved by works, but we, but we are saved to do good works. Then he goes on in verse 10 to inform us that we're created with gifts 
and given passions to make a difference in our world. There's a deep conviction I live with, and it's this. Every individual who's been redeemed by God's grace is called to be a difference maker. You are called to be a difference maker in your world, whatever that looks like. Again, God didn't save you just to sit on the sidelines and observe. He's called you to be a difference maker. I mean, Paul makes that very clear here. He's given us gifts and passions to make a difference in our world. Peter says it like this, 1 Peter 4.10. Peter says each one, meaning all of us, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So God's given you gifts and abilities for the purpose of doing good works, for the purpose of serving others. What you don't want to do is you don't want to sit on the sidelines and just waste what God's placed in you. There's a story Jesus told, Matthew 25. It's, it's, it's called the parable of the talents. And the story is about a king who was going to go away for a period of time. So he called three of his servants and entrusted his goods to them. Called talents. Now talent was like a measure of money. It's not like raw talent, like you have talent, I have talent. No, it was a measure of money. So he called three of his servants. He said, hey, I want, you to, I want you to take care of this, put it to work, and I'm going to come back and we can talk about it. And the scripture, as the story goes, this king was going away for a period of time. He came back and he called his servants to account, to give an account for what he had entrusted to them. And, and to the one who had given five talents, the servant says, hey, you gave me five. I, I went to work. I doubled it. Here's five more. And get this. This is what the master said to the servant. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Faithful is key. Faithful. You were faithful in what I entrusted. You were faithful with what I gave you. So here's your reward. To the one who had two talents, it was, it was the same story. He doubled it. Well done, that good and faithful servant. I mean, what I want to focus on is the, is the servant who was given one talent. The gentleman who was given one talent actually went out and dug a hole in the ground and buried the talent. And when the master came and called him to account, he went out in the backyard with a shovel, dug it, dug it up, dusted it off, came and said, here it is. I was afraid, and so I buried it. In other words, I didn't do anything with it. And I want you to, get, I want you to catch what the master said to the servant. He says, you were not scared. You were lazy. I mean, check it out. Check it out later. Matthew 25. Check out the strength of how Jesus told the story. He says, here's the problem. You were a lazy servant. You took what I gave you and you buried it in the ground and you did nothing with it. For that servant, there was rebuke and judgment. Why? Because he wasted what the master had entrusted to him. Hear me, friends. You don't want to sit on the sidelines and just watch the game be played out. The God who created you has uniquely gifted you and he has an expectation that you're going to do something with what he's placed in your life. I mean, get this. One day, every one of us are going to have to stand before God and give an account for our lives. And at that point, saying things like, well, God, I was too busy preparing for my retirement. Or, I, you know, I had, God, I had my own plan. Or, God, I, I, I was just too busy having fun. Listen, all of those answers are going to be wrong. Matter of fact, God's going to say wrong answer wrong answer 
Why did you waste what I entrusted to you? Again, what God's given you gifts, abilities, talents, but to be a difference maker. It's up to you, it's up to me to discover. To discover our calling, the work that God has provided for us. See, God deliberately shaped and and formed each of us to serve Him and to serve others in a way that's unique. Listen, there's never been and there'll never be another you. I mean, that's how unique you are as to God's design. Never been, there'll never be another you. And so God's uniquely made you. And He's given you gifts and abilities so you can what? Do His work in the world. So you can be about your life calling. So out of the uniqueness of how God created us, we have this responsibility to discover our calling. So so what is it that God's created you for? What area of work has He wired you for that aligns with your abilities, your personality and desires? So how can you how can you discover that? Because I, I do believe it's it's your responsibility, my responsibility to make that discovery. So how can we discover our calling? And maybe you're here this morning. You say, oh, "Man, I've, I already know it. I've been living it for seven years, ten years." And that's great, man. Keep doing it. Do it wide open. Do it with all all eight cylinders, man. Go for it. Be a difference maker in the world. But possibly you're here this morning and saying, wow, I didn't know I I was called. I didn't know I had a life calling. How do I discover that? In the next few minutes, let me just quickly give you four steps to make the discovery. You know, it's it's not always easy. Discovering our life calling. I I wish it was like I could say, go online, answer these quick questions. You're going to get a parent. It's exactly what your life calling is. Or I could say, hey, go, to, go see a counselor. Sit down with a counselor for 60 minutes. At the end of 60 minutes, they're going to be able to tell you exactly what your life calling is. It's not, it's not that easy. At times, it's, it, it requires a process of discovery. It may take three months. It may take six months. It may take a year. I don't know what the process will be like for you. But I'm telling you, it's worth every ounce of effort for you to discover your life calling for you to discover how God's wired you and how that plays out in the world today well here's four steps that might guide you in the process of coming to discover your life calling the first thing and I think it's always first is this invest in your relationship with God invest in your relationship with God you know, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 reads like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Let me tell you my summary of that verse. Here's my summary. If we seek God consistently, He will guide us to the right place at the right time that he might do his work through our lives. In other words, he's going to get you to the place of the assignment he has for you. What's our responsibility? Our responsibility is to seek God. To seek him through worship, through the study of the word, through prayer. Just to say, God, it's you I'm pursuing. And again, as he opens doors, you step through that door. And he opens another door and you step through that door. And before you know it, wow, you've, you've discovered a life calling. Listen, this is what I guarantee you this morning. You'll never go wrong with seeking God. It's always the right answer. No matter what the question is, it's always the right answer. Seek God. 
Uh, so I think that's the first step. Here's the second step that, that will help you, I believe, discover your life calling if, if you don't know. And again, it could be several areas, not just one, not limited to one. But here's a second step. Assess your gifts and abilities. In 1 Corinthians 12, kind of the whole chapter, Paul talks about how we're all uniquely made. And we all have a, a role to play in the body of Christ that the church could function together. When everybody brings their gifts and the body works together. In, in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, Paul wrote these words. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. So we all have what? Different gifts. Unique DNA as, as to how God's made us. And if you don't know what your God-given gifts are, then you need to make some discoveries. Make some discoveries. You know, here's two online assessments that will help you. Uh, you can write these down, check them out. The first is giftstest.com. The second is spiritualgiftstest.com. The giftstest.com is about 75 questions. Um, the spiritualgiftstest.com is about 110 questions. I did both of these last night in 25 minutes. So it's not like a really long process. 10 minutes, 12 minutes as you process through the questions. And these are just tools. Tools that can help you make a discovery. I know in my life, I've taken numerous gifts, assessment tests, you know, just kind of checking in. Okay, how am I wired? And it, pretty much it always comes out the same. I have four areas of strength, leadership, teaching, giving, and serving. Those are my four areas. And it's, it's knowing that. It's knowing that about how God wired me that kind of helped me discover life callings. So if you don't know how God's wired you, if you don't know what abilities, gifts he's placed within you, then I would encourage you to go online, take the assessment, and then take that and go to like three or four people who know you really well and say, hey, I've just took this assessment. This is what it said. What do you think? And allow them to speak into that process. Again, it's another step in discovering your life calling. Here's a third step that I think is really important. Identify your holy discontent. What is it that wrecks you? What is it that wrecks you? You know, there's a lot of issues in our world today, a lot of places of need, tons of opportunity. But what one or two issues stirs deep concern and deep passion within you? What wrecks you? How many of you remember the cartoon Popeye the Sailor Man? Here's some good theology. Popeye the Sailor Man. Almost in every cartoon, you would hear this recurring phrase. Popeye the Sailor Man would get all riled. There was some issue that would get him all riled, and he would make this statement, I can't stand it no more. How many remember that? <laughs> I can't stand it no more. So here's the question for you this morning. What can you not stand anymore? What is it in our world that has wrecked you to the point that you can't stand it anymore? And you feel motivated. I've got to do something about that. I mean, that's one of the ways that I knew this whole issue of foster care and adoption was one of my life callings, is it wrecked me. Man, I hear about kids being abused, kids not being loved and nurtured, and I say that's absolutely not acceptable. It stirs deep emotion within me. I can't talk about the issue of foster care and, and adoption without being moved internally. 
It wrecks me. So what is it that wrecks you? Maybe it's the issue of human trafficking. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, teens that need to be mentored. Maybe it's our government. Man, that'll wreck you. <laughs> but what is it? What is it that stirs you, that moves you? What is it that you absolutely cannot walk away from because it won't let you go? And you discover that and you're getting really close to your life calling. What is that holy discontent? And then here's a fourth step. Examine your experiences and extract the lessons that you've learned. Because this discovering your life calling is not an exact science, it requires some discovery. It requires you trying some things out. Matter of fact, I would encourage you to take some test drives. And my wife and I, before the year ended, we bought a new automobile. And before we bought a new car, I went to several dealerships. And I drove several different makes and models trying to figure out which automobile would best serve our family. But I, I test drove a number of cars and I narrowed it to one. And finally we said, hey, this is the one. You, know, you can do the same thing as it relates to some areas of service or ministry in relation to your life calling. And do some test drives. If you go and you serve at some place, like say, um, serving the homeless. You go and you serve the homeless and, and it doesn't stir you, it doesn't move you. Matter of fact, you're, to be honest, you're, you're kind of bored with it. Then that's probably not your life calling. It's okay to say that. But possibly there's this issue of human trafficking and you go to a meeting and it's like, wow, it energizes you. It, it fuels you that you could be a part of making a difference in the life of a woman who's been taken advantage of and abused and been, been sold to someone. And you could be a part of that. Like, wow. Well, you just learned a lesson about a potential area of life calling. What is it that you can't walk away from? What is that one area that you can't stop doing? As we, as we examine our experiences, we can extract the lessons, and from that we can, we can come to some discovery. The four steps that I, I think can help you to discover your life calling. Because again, I think it's like impossible to live fully alive if you've not discovered your life calling. If you've not discovered how God's wired you and, and what He has for you. It, it is a process. It's a process of discovery, but it's worth every ounce of energy that you would have to expend to find that area that God's called you to make a difference with your life. You know, this past Sunday night, I had the privilege of going to the Panthers game, and it was awesome. Man, I mean, like the stadium was rocking. And during the whole game, the whole game, everyone stood on their feet. The whole game. No, no one sat down. Fans, wow, absolutely crazy. But, but as I was reflecting on the whole experience, I, I realized... As I thought about the game, I mean, obviously I enjoyed the game. But as I thought about the experience, I realized that the fans were excited, but the players were fulfilled. There's a difference. The fans were applauding, but the players on the field were the ones who were making it happen. The fans were observing, 
but the players were fully engaged. Here's my takeaway from the experience. In life, you don't want to be a fan who's just sitting on the sidelines or sitting in the stands watching life happen. Listen, God created you for more. Here's the challenge. Get in the game. Don't just be a fan. Don't just be an observer. Man, identify what is it that God's placed in you. And what area does he have you to to live that out? You need to discover the why. Why has God placed you here? I can guarantee you this morning you're not an accident. So why? Why has God placed you here in this time? Discover the why and discover the what. What is it that God has uniquely designed for you to do? And when you discover the why, and you discover the what, and you begin to live that out, you're going to come fully alive in Christ. As you're living your life to make a difference, as you're partnering in the mission, the mission that God's given us. You know, it's been said that what you are is God's gift to you. But what you do with what you are is your gift to God. Who you are, God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to Him. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank You today for Your grace, Your grace and Your mercy for us. Lord, that's brought salvation for our lives. And God, I thank you that you didn't save us, Lord, just to kind of like hang out till we get to heaven. You saved us and said, hey, I got a mission for you. But you've called us to be difference makers. So, Lord, my prayer today for myself, for every individual here, is that we would not just live life marking days on the calendar, but God, may we live called. may we allow you to work through our lives. Lord, whatever that area might be that you've uniquely designed us for, God, I ask that you would guide us to that. That you could work through us to bring hope and help to the world. God, I speak blessings today in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.